This is the Trophy Room, a.k.a. Trophy Room Radio. I am your host, Brett Hammer, wherever you are on this Wednesday. Thanks for making me part of your day. Coming up, what the Brooklyn Nets have to teach the rest of the league. Justin Herbert got paid, paid, and so did Jalen Brown. But are those deals all they're cracked up to be? That is all coming up along with much, much more. But as you know, it's way too hard to buy quality graphic tees these days. You look it up and all you get is sketchy third-party products and Etsy and eBay and none of it's real. Game Changers throwing a wrench into all of that. Game Changers is a real company that puts quality in the phrase. You get what you pay for. They make high-end shirts with all your favorite NBA and NFL teams and players, as well as rappers and other culture icons. If you head over to GameChanger.LA, you can use promo code HAMMERTIME23 for $10 off. That's capital H, HAMMERTIME23, $10 off. No minimum order required. Go ahead, give me a follow on Instagram and TikTok at BHAMMERTIME with two E's instead of one. Shoutouts. Um, I've never, I don't know if I just have never had this before or if I don't remember it, but I woke up yesterday. So y'all know throughout the summer, I've been waking up to go work a morning show at 530 pretty much every day that I haven't been on vacation, which I don't love waking up in the morning. It's ridiculous. As I'm sure most of you know, I mean, look I, I, to me, there's different tiers of waking up in the morning. There's like there's 10 o'clock and after, and then you have like the eight to nine range, and then you have six to seven, and then anything before six, insane. And there's different tiers to your body feeling like you got hit by a Mack truck, the different times that you wake up. But uh, I thought I was doing fine. Like, I, it's hard for me to wake up in the morning, like straight up, I have a really loud, annoying alarm. Once I get in the shower, I'm usually fine. And then, but once I get to work, I'm I, no problem. And I feel good because I get done with work at two and I've already hit my eight hours for the day. So I woke up yesterday with a bruise under my eye. I didn't know this was a thing, but apparently sleep deprivation like weakens your skin or something. And so then your eyes bruise. I don't know. I felt like I had a black eye the whole day because every time I blinked, it hurt. So then I got sick last night and it was a whole mess. So I took the day off work today, but I'm still getting to you guys, which I'm happy about. And we got some fun stories today. And it, I think yesterday we didn't hit or Monday. Sorry. We didn't hit the NFL as much as I would have liked to There just weren't as many stories, but we got, we got a solid, solid amount of, of conspiracy uh, of NFL stories and get your conspiracy theory of the week. Cause I got one when it comes to the NFL. So you're sitting on your phone yesterday and you get this breaking news notification with the red sirens and you see Jalen Brown signed supermax. And then you read further into it and you see that Jalen Brown signed a deal as the richest deal in NBA history. And you think to yourself, is Jalen Brown worth that? Well, I think it's easy for us to say Jalen Brown's probably not even the best guy on his own team. And I like Jalen Brown. I probably like him more than most people. But let me tell you, so 
there's the progression of everyone signing for the biggest deal and the biggest deal and the biggest deal and the biggest deal. Uh, this is the recent history of guys to sign the quote unquote, then biggest contracts in NBA history. And they were all MVPs. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nicole Jokic, the last three, all NBA champions. Then insert Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is like... Insert greatest sidekick ever. And I know that sounds like a diss, but it's I, I promise it's not. Best sidekick ever, as in... When the Joker takes out the Batman, it's not a 10-on-1 against Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown can handle his own and sometimes win games when the superhero goes down. The superhero in this metaphor being Jason Tatum. Obviously, the optics of it don't look great. Because you say to yourself, well, how many all-stars does Jalen Brown have? How many accolades does he have in his career? Well, Jalen Brown has won zero NBA championships. He has won an Eastern Conference Finals, so we'll give him that. Jalen Brown, as far as accolades go, he's a two-time All-Star, and he's won. Uh, he's once been All-NBA, and it was this last year. So this is a last season's the best season that he's had. Now. Jalen Brown's a 49% field goal shooter. Pretty dang good. Pretty reliable. Points per game. For a guy who's making the most money of anybody in the NBA and NBA history is 17.9. So you're listening to me. You're looking at this. You're saying a guy who can barely dribble with his non-dominant hand. How did he become the highest paid player when he's not even the best one on his own team? Well, this is why. And Jalen Brown is not the first one to do this. The Celtics certainly aren't the first one to do this. Jalen Brown was eligible for the Supermax. I won't get into all the details with you, but essentially there's different levels of requirements for each contract. You have to hit certain requirements to get a max deal. You have to hit certain requirements to get a Supermax. You hit certain requirements, you're eligible to make certain dollar amounts. That's how it works. Jalen Brown became eligible for the Supermax. The other thing that I find funny about this whole thing is... What if you had a friend who him and his girl break up or at least seriously, they do the whole break up for 24 hours, the break up for 48 hours, the whole Ross and Rachel where you're on a break where you think you're broken up, but you get back together and you don't know until hindsight that it wasn't really a breakup, but when you break up, it is anyway. So every two months, your boy calls you says, Hey, me and Jalen, we broke up. And you're like, oh, shoot, I'm on my way over. After the third time, you start to think, uh, dude, maybe y'all just shouldn't be together. But then four or five times in, your boy goes, hey, I bought her a $30,000 rock. We're getting married. I swear every three months for the past two to three years, 
the story has floated out of ESPN that Jalen Brown is on the trade block and they're fielding calls. And every year, to Brown's credit, he's a champ. And he says, I'm still focusing on basketball. But the point remains, when things are unsure is not when you spend all the money. Now, I told you, there's a reason that they're doing this that has to do with the Supermax. The salary cap's about to go up. Um, Basically, the NBA makes money collectively as they continue to increase in revenue, as the TV deal increases in revenue with all these different networks. They increase the salary cap and everybody makes money. Not the money that maybe everybody wants to make, but everybody makes an increase. So... To burst everyone's bubble, yes, Jalen Brown got a big deal. However, this deal isn't going to last long as far as being the most lucrative deal in NBA history, let alone being the most lucrative deal in the NBA right now. So yes, is it nice? Of course. But it won't last. Speaking of somebody else who got paid... Look at our man, Justin Herbert. I know that you're not supposed to admit this. I get that. I'm supposed to sound like the smartest guy in the room. And for all intents and purposes, 99% of the time, I feel like the smartest guy in the room. I, I, I think it's kind of uh, rude, disrespectful, cocky, arrogant to say that out loud with other people. But... To me, if you don't believe you're this, and I won't even dive into this. I'm not the smartest guy in the room about everything. But when it comes to average, I feel like I'm the smartest guy in the room. I don't know why I'm on this tangent. I say all of this to say I'm not an idiot in the super conventional ways. However, I have tried everything possible. I read, I watch videos, I study, I get the salary cap. And the the cash flow in the NFL more than the average fan. But I got to be honest with you. I saw a post the other day of uh, somebody, a podcaster like me, saying he thinks the salary cap is a conspiracy because he's tried to study it and understand it, and he doesn't either. And I'm starting to get to that point. I don't understand how the salary cap works. Because Justin Herbert inks this deal for five-year, $262.5 million. Awesome, great for him. We'll get to that in a second. However, then you see these weird facts, like uh, when Aaron Rodgers restructured his deal when he got to New York, and they're like, oh yeah, he's set to make $100 million next year. And then you see the stats. Uh... You see the stats that Justin Herbert is set to make $100 million in his first year as an NFL quarterback. And then you see some of these GMs like uh, Tom Telesco and Howie Roseman in Philly and how they're able to just pay everybody and then some teams seem like they can pay nobody when it's a salary cap. So it's not like baseball where you just spend as much money as the owner wants. The NFL uh, salary cap for 2023 is $224.8 million. 
So, it seems to me that a lot of times these deals get restructured. Obviously, Justin Herbert just signed his. So, I don't know how he's going to make $100 million this year, take up half the cap. I, I don't know. But, Aaron like Aaron Rodgers. I doubt the Jets are going to pay him $100 million next year. They're probably going to restructure that before it gets there. Nonetheless, that's my tangent about the salary cap being very, very confusing. But the salary cap did go up 8% in the last year. So, it makes sense that they're able to pay Justin Herbert. The funny things to watch here are going to be, how does this affect other quarterbacks who are getting close to getting paid? Guys like Joe Burrow. Because you almost have set a new standard where the girl over in Cincinnati is going to say, um, well, look how much your friend paid for his wife's ring. Why, why, why don't I get that at, at more? Like, I'm better than her. And again, Joe Burrow is a great guy. Not petty. Great guy. So, I doubt he'll lean on. And he's, he's come out and said, hey, I understand that it's an opportunity cost. If I take the money, we can't pay my receivers. So, it'll be honest to see if he keeps up that energy now that the Justin Herbert deal is out. I don't know. But Justin Herbert is now making supposedly the most money of anyone in the NFL. I see a couple things here. Part of it, I think, is Brandon Staley saying, do whatever we have to to hitch my wagon to Justin Herbert because I suck as a head coach and I could be on the chopping block soon. But if Justin Herbert's happy and paid, then hopefully he'll stay focused. It seems like when guys get paid, they don't have their number one all-time best year in the league the year after. So we'll see how that goes for Justin Herbert's year. Obviously, I hope that he lights it up for 5,000 yards. But here's the interesting thing that I didn't know until today. couple things. First of all, last year... So, LA Chargers have a new offensive coordinator, Kellen Winslow. Or Kellen Moore. I don't know why I said Kellen Winslow. Kellen Winslow is not coming to OC the Chargers. Kellen Moore is former OC of the Dallas Cowboys. But the OC before that in LA was Lombardi. No, not Joe Lombardi. But the funny thing about Lombardi is the offense he came from is Drew Brees. And Drew Brees, for the last five years of his NFL career, was not a deep bomb shot thrower. It was quick, meticulous, almost Tom Brady-esque football. Just very focused, go through progressions, not a whole lot of freelancing. Which then makes sense when you hear this stat. Guess who led the National Football League in passes to running backs last year? Who, so essentially, who led the NFL in checkdowns? That is one Justin Herbert. Which makes sense because if you watched any of the Chargers games last year, you sat there and said, wait, why does it always feel like 
Justin Herbert's checking down and why are there no routes designed over top? Because when the routes are designed in a way that works to go over top, Justin Herbert lights it up to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And the problem isn't that they don't have talent at wide receiver. That's why when they went ahead and drafted Quentin Johnston, I said, okay, cool, but you already have two six two six five guys who are top 20 in the league. You didn't need another one. Now, you get a new OC, and you get a new game plan, you get a new roadmap. Maybe this whole thing change changes, and the contract makes it all worth it. All right, I promise one last talk about uh, somebody getting paid. The New York Giants have finally paid you-know-who, and no, it is not Saquon. They paid Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle, to a five-year, $117 million contract with 67 of that guaranteed. Now, some of you are thinking, wait, Brett, I thought you said on Monday that after the deadline, they couldn't sign more than a two-year deal. Yes and no. They can't sign you to a two-year deal if you've been franchise tagged. So Andrew Thomas was not franchise tagged. He was working on an extension. His deal was still going. Whereas for Saquon, his deal ran out. That's why they franchise tagged him. So Andrew Thomas gets his five-year, $67 million guaranteed. But here's what's interesting. One of the most lucrative, expensive businesses in the country right now, cybersecurity. Because everything's digital, right? Everybody's information, the infrastructure of your company, your HR software, the way you communicate, your emails, everything is digital. So you need someone, and I promise this is not a paid promo. This is not even a promotion at all. This is a point. Cybersecurity is critical because you need to protect everything. I don't know what you would consider running backs in this analogy of corporate America, but cybersecurity, that's your left tackle. You are trying to protect your assets and quarterbacks is your number one asset. Regardless of how you feel about Daniel Jones, I don't love him. However, they paid him. So regardless of how they feel about him, they have to either protect the asset or trade it for something else, liquefy it. So that's why it makes sense to pay Andrew Thomas and not pay Saquon. Because look, at the end of the day, some jobs at certain companies work harder and still don't get paid the same amount. The janitor doesn't get paid the same amount as the IT guy or as the cybersecurity uh, contractor, whatever you want to call it. Here's the other funny part about Saquon. So the contract, they signed him to a one-year deal yesterday. They signed him to a one-year $10.1 million deal. Ironic, why is that number familiar to you? Because that's what the franchise tag was. And now, at the end of this year, because Saquon's not franchise tagged, they can franchise tag him again for the same amount. Now, I don't know if they will. You'd like to think they negotiate in good faith during this one-year deal to see if they can get him something long-term at the end of the season, but that is what it is. Because the best part about all of this is they offered him $13 million 
and 19 million guaranteed. He said no to both of those and now has to sign for pennies on the dollar. This is like this episode of Seinfeld I was watching the other day where George and Jerry are writing a pilot for NBC and they write a pilot for NBC. George says he wants more money. So he's also dating the executive at NBC and they offer him, I think 15, 30,000, maybe George turns it down, says that this is ridiculous. Like basically spits in their face and doesn't tell Jerry just to, and for that. So then NBC pulls the deal. George has to go back, beg and plead and beg and plead. And they end up getting $4,000 each. So, this is just very Seinfeld-esque. It is now time for your conspiracy of the week. It's not even that deep. No, it's not about the vaccine. Chill. <clears throat> so the NFL Top 100, one of my favorite pieces of content that comes out in the summer. Every year, the NFL gives ballots to all of the guys in the league. And they vote on who they think are the top 100 players. This year is the first year I've seen this. They didn't do it on NFL Network. They put the entire thing on NFL Plus. So if you don't have NFL Plus, you can't watch it. They're not also uploading it to YouTube, which I think is stupid. Um, it's one of my favorite things to watch. Go back and watch some of the old ones. They're these cool little three-minute docu-episodes about that current that player that player's previous season. But they put it on NFL Plus this year. And my conspiracy is they put it on NFL Plus this year because it's so bad no one wants to watch it. The list sucks. So, Trevor Lawrence came in at 96. Which it's fine as long as you don't know where everybody else lands cuz they release them uh 10 guys at a time every day. So Trevor Lawrence comes in at 96. Then, <laughs> Justin Fields lands at 86. 10 spots ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Which frustrates me a lot because Justin Fields to me is not that good. But we'll get to Justin Fields. We'll come back to him in a second. Because the part that makes me happy about the list, list is because it's so bad. Tua fell at 82. Just four spots ahead of Justin Fields. Now, if the list is guys who are most unguardable in the NFL from a physical standpoint who you can't tackle one-on-one -on -one, and you want to tell me that Justin Fields qualifies, I'll hear that. Sure. I, like, I I can see that. Uh, as far as tackling, as far as running quarterback, he's probably, he's up there with Lamar Jackson. He might be even a little sturdier than that. However, Justin Fields is not even in the same class of passer that Lamar Jackson is. But everyone wants to talk about Justin Fields because he turned down season two of the Netflix documentary quarterback, which if you haven't watched, go watch it. It's incredible. So a lot of people are out here speculating, saying, oh, well, this may be a sign of Justin Fields' maturity. Because he doesn't want to appear in season two. He just wants to focus on football. Well, I hope you want to focus on football. Because right now, I mean, just I, I'm not buying stock in Justin Fields. 
the fact that he was ranked uh, t- 10 spots ahead of Trevor Lawrence when Trevor Lawrence has literally won a playoff game, Justin Fields has not, and historically, which franchise would you rather have, the Chicago Bears or the Jacksonville Jaguars? I thought so. But I don't, I don't want to hear that, oh, I don't want to be on reality TV. I don't want to be in a documentary because I'm too mature for that. I'm trying to focus on football. That is the dumbest argument that I've heard. Here's why. If those of you who've watched quarterback, tell me which one of the guys who was on the show was immature. Tell me. Tell me which one. Ah, you could argue Marcus Mariota if you wanted, but still, not immature to me is Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel, Kyler Murray. None of the guys who were on the documentary were anywhere near that class. And I don't want to hear, again, he's maturing because Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins made the playoffs, went 13-3, 13-4. Mahomes won a Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Justin Fields is 24, turning 25 this year, and Mahomes is 27. So, if you're saying they're the same age and Justin Fields is still immature, maybe it has nothing to do with the documentary and everything to do with who he is. I don't know. Never met the guy. I'm not saying he is immature. But if you're saying this is a sign of maturity, then you're insinuating the opposite to that would be that he's not mature. Um... Can someone tell me why Kirk Cousins is so hated? I said we talked about this today. I loved him in the documentary. It's either propaganda for how hard he works or he actually works that hard. But here's what's funny about the world that we live in. So we live in a world where you go on Instagram, you go on TikTok, and you're constantly bombarded with these motivations and these podcasts of guys talking about what they had to do to make their first million. Everyone wants to be the 1%. So much so everyone wants to be the 1% that they hate mediocre. But you know what's funny? Most people aren't mediocre. Most people struggle to show up on work on time. Most people struggle to get out of bed on time. Most people struggle to hit deadlines at work. If you do all of those things, you might be more than mediocre because mediocre is average. And the average person, especially my generation, struggles with all of these things. They all sit on TikTok and they drink the Kool-Aid saying, yeah, I'm trying to make my first million. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, uh, be I'm trying to be a Harvard lawyer. Uh, bro, how about you worry about getting your GPA above a 2.5? How about you worry about just showing up on time? Before you say you want to make your first million. So, Kirk Cousins is so hated because he's mediocre. But here's some funny accolades about Kirk Cousins. Last year, he was the most hit guy in the league. For being not athletic and white and not huge. Not huge like Ben Roethlisberger is what I'm talking about. That's tough. Kirk Cousins never complained. He's never said, oh, traffic's the reason that I can never get to work on time. Kirk Cousins 
also holds the title as quarterback of the great biggest comeback in NFL history. 30 plus points. They came back. People who are immature, who aren't focused, who can't show up to work on time, those people, they cannot lead a 30-point comeback. You think Kyler Murray could lead a 30-point comeback? He could not. Baker Mayfield? Could not. Dak Prescott? Maybe. Dak Prescott is probably the point in the conversation where I'm not even sure if Jalen Hurts could lead a 30-point comeback, to be honest with you. That's a lot. The guys who were like NFL leaders in quarterback comeback in uh, comebacks are Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Drew Brees. Studs. There are very few guys in this league who are a guaranteed 8-9 to nine wins. Now, I know you're saying to yourself, but I want 10-11 to 11 wins. Okay, let's build the bubble of guys who are guaranteed 8-9 to nine wins. Let's build that bubble. Who is it? Patrick Mahomes, probably guaranteed 8-9 to nine wins. Uh, Tom Brady, when he was playing, prob- or, sorry, 10-11, 12 wins. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Who else is in the league right now that you look at and say is guaranteed? Joe Burrow? Sure. I don't know that Josh Allen is. He's not guaranteed to me. It's likely, but it's not a guarantee. Justin Herbert? Love him. Not a guarantee. Kirk Cousins is so hated, yet that guy is guaranteed to show up to work on time, guaranteed to never quit, guaranteed to never complain. Everyone complains about not getting paid. Kirk Cousins has gotten paid always. You know why? Because he's an adult. Because he's what? Justin Fields and Netflix documentary season two. He's mature. All right, last story before we head out of here. This one I had a lot of fun uh, breaking down in my head the other day. So it's been weeks now. We are still waiting on this Damian Lillard trade to Miami. Interesting. And I was thinking about it. Who has been king over the last three years of being a refugee haven to these stars who want what they want when they want it? Brooklyn. Now, you could argue Brooklyn made the poor decision of getting into business with these guys in the first place. Sure, I'll hear that. But what's funny is, where's Brooklyn now? They're on the upswing. A lot of these teams have been sitting on superstars and don't know what to do with them. Pelicans, they have no idea what to do with Zion Williamson. Portland Trailblazers kind of seems like they have no idea what to do with Damian Lillard. Because, like we talked about Monday, you gave away all of your leverage when you let everyone find out that Dame wanted out. And you gave even more leverage away when he announced to everybody that he wanted to go to Miami and nowhere else. I know I think I know we you think it's smart to be very direct with what you want. Mm. It's a tough pill to swallow. But look at Brooklyn. Go look at Brooklyn. Their last 10, 20 games. They had no star and they were winning basketball games. Their best players were Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. They were winning basketball games. And what changed is, guys said, we want out. Brooklyn said, we're not putting up with your crap. You're gone. 
and they robbed Dallas and they robbed Phoenix. So much now that neither one of those guys, even though they got stars, I mean, it's really inflated money because Brooklyn said we will pivot. Some people just, they can't do change. Some people change is the scariest thing in the world to them. And I get that. But change is another guarantee in life. The question is, how open are you to it? How well can you handle it? Brooklyn doesn't love change, but they embrace change. And that's the reason that they've robbed multiple teams to get some of the best 3 and D pieces in the entire National Basketball Association. Now, the time has kind of run out on the clock to be Brooklyn for Portland. Time's not out on the clock for New Orleans. You could still get something out of Zion Williamson because people will always overpay for stars, especially the non-Danny Ainge is of the world. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out. I'm glad we were able to get this done today. I hope you have a good rest of your Wednesday, Thursday, whenever you're getting to this, and we will talk soon. Cheers. Woo.